If things feel a little off today, they should. We're doing it different. Normally I'd be reading the gospel here, but we start with the gospel because that's where it begins, with the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It's a whole different thing. Yesterday we saw in our country a great deal of peaceful protest. We should actually have this in our head. It's a good thing to have it in our head because that's exactly what Palm Sunday was and is. Something that was peaceful protest and whether you loved it or hated it, it got people talking. It got people chatting and trying to figure out what on earth was going on. It was something that wherever you stood got you riled up. We miss that because we've tamed it a little or maybe just because we've heard the story so many times we miss it. But it is a moment of quiet revolution, a moment of, well, dis-ease in the community. Let me say it differently. In the Old Testament, the prophets, well, God had a way of making them do some pretty crazy things. They didn't just have a quick march or have a little protest. God got them to do things that were, well, we, we'd call them crazy by any estimation. I mean, things that are absolutely insane. Things that God wanted them to do to try and help people understand what it was to be God in the midst of a very complex situation. I want to give you three examples because each one is crazier than the last. Isaiah, we know Isaiah. He's a great Old Testament prophet. He preached and taught and almost all of the stuff that we know as Christians and love, the ideas, whether verses large and small, a little child shall lead them, all of those come from Isaiah. What most people don't know is that God required Isaiah to preach naked when he did all of that. It's a different image, isn't it? <laughs> when you start having that, God commanded that all of Isaiah's words had to be proclaimed and he had to walk around completely naked while he did them. And so he was the naked prophet who showed up everywhere nude. And people say, why on earth would God require that? And God was very clear. Israel as a tiny nation was trying to ally itself with the world powers and said, I'm going to ally, uh, Israel said, we're going to ally ourselves, ally ourselves with the Assyrians. They're going to protect us from the Egyptians. And God said, you need to ally yourself with me, not with Assyria, not with Egypt, because soon enough I will strip them naked and they will see how little power they have. To prove it, I will have my prophet show up to you naked to tell you how this works. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the answer. I agree. Second one, Ezekiel. Ezekiel is one of those prophets that we know of. Ezekiel, God said, you know what? You keep messing up Israel. You keep causing all kinds of problems. So I want you, Ezekiel, to go out and show these people exactly what a mess they're making. I want you to gather up all the dried cow poop you can find and make a bonfire in the middle of Jerusalem. I want you to set poop on fire. <laughs> because that's the mess Israel is making of my kingdom. And so Ezekiel made a giant pyre and he set it on fire and said, This is the kingdom of Israel, flaming poop. <laughs> that's one way to say it, isn't it? Hosea, God bless poor Hosea, lesser prophet. God said, I'm tired of Israel cheating on me. I'm tired of Israel wandering off and doing things it shouldn't. I want you, Hosea, to understand what I'm dealing with. So you must marry a woman of ill repute. 
And then you will know what it is like to be cheated on every day you wake up in your marriage. Yikes. These are amazing things that God asks and requires. Dramatic theater was the way of the prophets. And it's the way of Jesus today. In today's reading, we tended to see it as, oh, Jesus enters on a donkey. But what we miss is the context of what's going on. That is, he is coming into Jerusalem for the Passover. The Passover is the great feast of the Jews that celebrates well, their freedom, their liberation from their oppressors in Egypt. And in the first century, while they were being oppressed by Rome, Rome understood this was a really dangerous time of year. This was a time of year when they all said, God is our God and he's going to liberate us from all of the things that oppress us, especially Rome. So there was two parades at Passover. The first parade were the Roman soldiers who entered with all the pomp and circumstance and military might you can possibly imagine. They were the world power of the era, and they brought in all the army they could bring in to oppress and make it clear that this might be a festival of liberation, but if anybody tries anything funny, we will kill you. Let me give you a quick idea of how much the Roman army fear, struck fear into people. The average height of a person in first century in Rome because of nutritional issues and a variety of things, the average height was about 5'6", five, 5'4", five, for a man, and around 5 feet for a woman. They were much shorter, much smaller human beings than we are. The entry requirement to be a centurion of Rome was 6 feet. They were literally the largest human beings that walked the earth in full military garments, that is, metal and armor, sword and shield, marching in perfect rhythm, and what really we would consider a tank kind of formation now. We'd look at it and we would be afraid. They brought several legions, several thousand soldiers, all six-foot giants, into Jerusalem in a great military parade with the leader riding the largest stallion they could find, always a white stallion for most likely Pontius Pilate as he rode in, to show here is the might of Rome, fear us. We will destroy you if you try anything funny. That's the first parade. If we understand that parade, then we start to understand Jesus's parade a little bit better. While all of the might and power of Rome is literally coming through one gate, the other gate, has Jesus coming in on a borrowed donkey with a bunch of peasants throwing their cloaks on the ground. It's not exactly the authority of God, is it? It's not exactly what we think of as God's power and might, and yet it's how God chooses to enter on a borrowed animal on borrowed time. Now we have to name a couple of things. One, a donkey was chosen specifically because a donkey is what a prince tended to ride in on. A prince rode on a donkey in those great old parades. And when you had a palm branch, the palm was always the symbol for peace. So Jesus, in the same way as those old prophets, is enacting a very clear parable. Here comes the prince on the donkey walking the way of peace. He is the prince of peace entering quietly on the other side from the powers of Rome. So already you can see that there's some difference, right? 
But the kicker, the truly brilliant and beautiful part of all of this is the song they sing as they go in. It's the 118th Psalm. It is a psalm of entry into Jerusalem. And most of the people believe that when this was sung, it was said literally as people were walking into Jerusalem because it has a beat behind it. It has a beat just like people walking. Blessed is he who comes in God's name. His mercy endures forever. Blessed is God who comes to us now. His mercy endures forever. The entire psalm is just that simple. But the refrain is not just his mercy endures forever. The main refrain, the refrain that goes for those first three or four verses is God's love endures forever. So Jesus rides a donkey and a borrowed donkey at that with just the common people cheering for him and they're chanting a song that said God's love should endure forever. While they're saying we'll crush you with soldiers and weapons and arms and destruction, he's saying God comes in love. It is a prophetic act. It is one that stirred people up in the first century. It is one that should stir us up now. In no small part because it should tell us how the rest of the week is going to go. People will come with weapons and clubs, with spears and knives and crosses and nails. They will come with violence to greet one who says, I come in love. They will come over and over again with anger and striking and hatred. And God will again say, I come in love over and over again. The mystery of today is that we don't seem to get it. That God's kingdom is not a kingdom that is won by force of arms. It is not won by dominance. It is not won by God forcing us to do anything. In fact, God's love, God's kingdom is clear. It's one of invitation and love. It is just as crazy as setting a big pile of poop on fire. It is just as crazy as walking naked in the streets and proclaiming God's kingdom has come near. It is Christ come near with all the power of God and saying, do what you will with me. I come in love. Your response is your response. It's amazing, isn't it? If we really pause to think about this parade, this celebration of God, it's not one of dominance or fear, anger or hatred. It's one of love. So we're going to close practicing that psalm. Y'all are going to say God's love endures forever. I'll say the first part, but we should say these words because they matter. All right, let's see how we do this. I'm, I'm going to try and keep the beat. I, the, I should have brought the band up here for this, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. All right, so this is the beat again. And your line is... God's love endures forever. God's love endures forever. Blessed is the one who comes in God's name. God's love endures forever. Our God is of love. He loves us all now. God's love endures forever. The kingdoms may fall, but God will still stand. God's love endures forever. Blessed is the one who comes in God's name. God's love endures forever. Amen.